0: Hello, and welcome to the Modern Retail Rundown. I'm your host, senior reporter, Gabby Barco, and I'm here with editor-in-chief, Kale Guthrie-Weissman. Good morning, Kale. How are you?
1: Good morning, Gabby. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good, good. Yeah, just adjusting to the weather. You know, every year takes you by surprise, but we're going to get through it. Um, (laughs) This week, we are going to be talking about Amazon uh, essentially giving up on apparel stores uh, as it focuses more on grocery. Uh, then we're going to be talking about Walmart revamping its stores, uh, it's just making a lot of investments because uh, it's one of the few retailers that's still doing well at the moment. Finally, we are going to be talking about Michaels competing with Etsy by essentially launching a competitor, which I find really interesting. Dun, so, dun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so first up uh yeah, let's get into uh Amazon Style stores. So this week uh the company announced that it is closing these stores that it only opened really a couple of years ago. Uh there's two locations in California and Ohio. Uh but yeah, it's it sounds like really they're going to be pushing fashion apparel more online as opposed to the stores and we could probably tell why the stores didn't work. I feel like we never really heard about them, but we can get we can get into that a little bit later.
1: You're completely right. It's not surprising. And we'll go into one of the main reasons it's not surprising probably later, which is that this is something that Amazon does all the time where it has a big idea, it tests it out, and then anywhere from a few months to a few years later, it says, ah, oh, never mind. Um, yeah. Which often doesn't mean it's the complete end of it, but it does mean that I don't know. It means that it's retooling a lot of things. But the style was sort of a flashy announcement and it was part of Amazon's big foray into apparel and also its big attempt to woo more nicer luxury brands. It was, you know, the, the idea was Amazon was going to have something akin to like a department store where they could merchandise, you know, their their products better. And, you know, it was pretty much like trying to make it into... The, make that legacy fashion department store experience into something that Amazon could control um there were always a lot of questions swirling about how that would manifest how much would uh Amazon invest in that um what 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 was really the end game here um and now now they're closing up. And I think that the writing might have been on the wall for the last you know year or so when Amazon said it was opening up a few. And interestingly enough, when Amazon said it was opening up these stores, it was also closing down other experimental stores, which we'll probably get into in a few minutes. But then it never really announced much about these style stores after that. They just sort of sat there. We didn't get too many updates about it. And so when you don't hear Amazon singing a program's praises, it usually means that it's going to try to quietly shutter it sometime in the near future, and that's precisely what happened. Mm-hmm.
0: I do want to say uh, it, it just because Amazon changes directions. I guess it doesn't always mean it's a failure. I think they're just they've become known as the company that just tries everything and then sees what works and. Obviously, they have the luxury of being able to afford that. So I just want to make sure it's not like we're always saying it in a negative way. It's just what happens.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that the one thing that Amazon is most well-known for is saying it's going to stop doing something or announce that it's shuttering some project. And then sometimes the same idea or the same program rears its head again a few years later. So this is not to say that Amazon... Like, who knows? Maybe a year or two from now, there will be a new iteration of style stores that take the learnings from this past one, that they try to open more of them. But for right now, these physical stores, they're closing.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then we should talk about how these fit in with Amazon's overall ambitions to expand physically. Uh, as I guess when I say physically, I mean uh, actual stores that are shoppable, um, you know, not warehouses. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. And so, <laughs> yeah, with that, uh, you know, they, they've they tried Amazon Go, uh, the Four Star Store, and Fresh, which is essentially their um, grocery store. That's not Whole Foods, is the way I always think about it. Um, but, you know, a lot of these also, or some of them, also, they, you know, they tested them in certain markets, didn't really work, closed them, going back to the Drawing board, Uh, so it does seem like I think maybe they're they are still trying to figure out how to build uh, like a consumer facing physical presence.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think Go and Four Star stores are perfect examples of uh, of what happened here. Four Star specifically, because that was this weird hodgepodge of a store where they were quote unquote well rated products that would be um, you know featured in these stores. Amazon announced them to much fanfare. And then I want to say, like, around at least in the same quarter of when uh, the style stores were announced, Amazon announced that it was shuttering its four-star stores. And it was pretty much, you know, the same reason where it was, you know, we tried something... It didn't work. This doesn't mean we're not going to continue investing in physical retail, but this one didn't work. Go is another one. I think there are still a few Go stores open, but a lot of them have closed of late. Go being the store that tested out Amazon's just walkout technology. So, you know, you would scan a QR code when you walked in. Um, Put things in a bag and then just walk out. Um, it was kind of a convenience play, um, and those—that was one that got a lot of press. And was you know all questions were about you know what's the future of the ghost store. And what's interesting is that the future of the ghost store, as much as Amazon doesn't seem to be investing as much into it, um, you know uh, both Fresh and Whole Foods even are testing out that technology that it used. So clearly, yeah. it got some. It learned something and then was like, we're going to implement them into these other stores. And then there's the Fresh thing, which, you know, Fresh has been one of Amazon's biggest physical store ambitions. Um, It opened up a bunch. And then, um, you know, not that long ago, it shut down a few and it also stopped investing in the places where it was building it out. And I believe there were some lawsuits associated with that. And everyone was wondering, does this mean that Amazon is no longer investing in you know its grocery stores? And the answer is no. Amazon has just been completely retooling the strategy. And that's been a Big thread that the company has been talking about during its earnings, that it's been saying in its press releases, that you know it's it is still investing specifically in, in its fresh stores, but it's going about it in a in a different way and trying to be a little bit more strategic. And it's a you know it's a big overhaul. Like I think they had some big brought in some new executives, they had a lot of shuffling around how the teams worked, and now there's a brand new strategy around this physical grocery strategy. You know the way that it's being portrayed with style is that. The, the real focus right now for physical stores is this fresh, this grocery um, program. And so, you know, not to keep saying this over go, it's not a huge surprise, but like it seems like Amazon's big focus is on making sure that its fresh strategy at least begins showing signs of growth and is working out. And uh, these other smaller, more ancillary projects uh, have been falling to the, you know, have been n- not as emphasized and are now seem to be going away.
0: Yeah, and then just as an aside, I think it's sometimes it's also interesting to think about these things aren't just happening. I mean, sometimes they're happening in specific markets. Like I feel like Amazon Fresh pretty much went away here, but uh, they're actually they've doubled down on them in Europe, for example. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a matter of like figuring out, yeah, what concept works in what market because not everybody shops the same.
1: Yeah. And I also think that a lot of this is about figuring out how to work with brands in both the online and physical sense. And that's something that it seems like Amazon is still trying to, to understand exactly how that works. That was the big question with style, actually. I remember when I covered it a long time ago, months if not a year ago, where you know the question was, what is Amazon promising these brands and I think the idea was that it was going to be a new way to merchandise and showcase these products. And ideally, Amazon would be able to give insights into how people are shopping for these products in the physical stores that they wouldn't get from their you know online storefronts. But I talked with some people and th- they had said, honestly, the relationship we have with Amazon for its style store is pretty much the same as if you know I'm working with a Nordstrom or I'm working with a Macy's. It's that where we'll buy your products wholesale We'll try and sell them, but we're not going to give you that much data around it. And, you know, it's not surprising that Amazon won't give up too much data, but you would think that the big question that I always had is, you know, A, why would a brand want to work with Amazon on something that only has two locations? And the answer is, well, maybe they'll scale it, or maybe there will be some other competitive advantage that they get about, you know, the insights of how the store works and things like that. And it seems like none of that happened. It just sort of these stores were there people maybe went there. I don't know what the foot traffic was, but the, the brands who were featured there, I imagine did not see a huge lift of their products sold, you know, in, in those stores.
0: Yeah. It is interesting. You say that about data because, um, I feel like a lot of times brands get on Amazon so that they can leverage that data and see how those shoppers, uh, interact with their Yeah. With their products. So it, yeah, I guess maybe there's just not a lot of uh, upsides to testing it, but I get well, you know. We'll
1: see. I mean, I think the upside to testing it, and this is what everyone told me, is that if Amazon offers you a new product, even if you <laughs> you know you look in your crystal ball and you say this won't be around for very long, you still test it out because you want to stay on Amazon's good side and you want to see what types of new programs it has, you know, it, it has in store, and so that gives the you know these brands a little bit of information about you know, what might be implemented down the line. Um, I do think there's there's a li- really big question with all of this, which is what is the future of, you know, apparel and nicer goods on Amazon? This has been a really big focus for Amazon over the last few years. And I do think that uh, Amazon sells more apparel than like Walmart. Like we don't really talk about this, but like it is like, it is still a, a very, very, it, it, it sells a lot of those goods on its marketplace. But I think, it's still trying to make it so that it can be a branded experience and a more luxurious experience. And this was the big test with style was how can we make this into more of a destination curated type of shopping, you know, store, shopping platform, etc. And I I still think Amazon is trying to figure that out um, and it hasn't quite, quite gotten the formula just yet. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens down the line, but I think that this is indicative of there's still a lot of strategic retooling Amazon has to do when it comes to this this type of play.
0: Yeah, speaking of retooling stores, uh-huh. uh, we are going... We're going to be talking about Walmart, uh, you know, making some investments to a few hundred of its stores. It's essentially doing some remodels. Uh, this week they announced that the idea is to bring in more customers and just get them to kind of linger longer into the aisles. Uh, so just making the stores, uh, know, yeah, m- more, I guess, approachable and nicer to walk around in, uh. Yeah. What what do you make of this? Because right now, a lot of these uh, big box retailers are like kind of just hunkering down and trying to keep the profit margins uh, up there. But it seems like Walmart still thinks of its stores are as sort of like the forefront.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is indicative that we, you know, you and I specifically love to talk about e-commerce and everything digital, but stores are still really important, especially for Walmart. And just to get, you know, put a little bit of numbers behind it. So, uh Walmart reopened 117 stores in 30 states. Uh for for those that have been remodeled it cost half a billion dollars and the overall investment it's making for these new stores is 9 billion dollars, which is from the last 2 years. Um and it will impact more than 4500 stores nationwide. Um So, that's a lot of money. Nine, you know, uh 9 billion dollars is is nothing to sneeze at. And so I think it shows that, you know, Walmart is really focusing on the experience of in-store. And I think it also is an example that while I think you said this in your intro, a lot of retailers are facing henwoods. They're focusing more on, you know, saving costs. We wrote a story at modern retail, a, a couple of, um, a couple of weeks ago, that was pretty much like major retailers are are trying to save as much money with their vendors. They're going back to the drawing board when it comes to these uh, negotiations. But Walmart is still doing overall pretty well. It's seeing same-store sales increase. It's seeing, t- you know, its average ticket price increase, or you know, av- average ticket value increase. So all, all of this is to say that this Walmart, given that it's one of the largest retailers in the country, is kind of anomaly in terms of the investments it can make and the moonshots. I don't know if this is a moonshot, but the, the big, deep investments uh, it can launch to to revamp its overall experience. And this is a great example of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, one section that I find really interesting is uh, it's got this sort of dollar shop uh, department uh, that's, you know, obviously trying to court a lot of the, uh, the budget-conscious customers. This is... Uh, a pretty popular section at Target. So I thought it was interesting that they're taking this up too because over the last few years, they've kind of focused more on, um, you know, trying to carry more premium brands, more organic, all of that. So interesting.
1: Yeah, I think that it's a smart strategic plan. And the overall thrust of this revamp is to remind customers that Walmart is not just grocery. And so the dollar shop is super interesting just because it's, you know, takes aim at, you mentioned Target. It also kind of takes aim at like Dollar General and Dollar Tree. Like it's trying to yeah. show that we, we we can play with the dollar stores as well. It's also focusing, I think it did a really big redesign of the home goods section so that it's more quote unquote inviting. Um, the idea is that Walmart wants its shoppers to know that you can buy literally everything there. And now it'll be a nice experience where the at least until the stores get dilapidated over a few months, a few years, it'll be shiny and new. There'll be new ways to walk around. Things can be featured in in different and fun ways. And so this is all about trying to retrain Walmart customers to understand that there are more things to buy there.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then I think one interesting point is that... Uh, we- Yeah, we write a lot about, I mean, e-commerce is growing pretty consistently for Walmart, but it's still only about 13%, I believe was the last stat I saw of its overall uh, revenue. So it's kind of like the inverse of Amazon with physical, you know, Uh, they're still kind of working on that. But yeah, I think most people would still rather the convenience of popping in because they have so much, um, I hate this they have so much um you know omni channel presence where you can do pick up <laughs> yeah. and you can <laughs> and you know uh yeah buzzwords um and yeah so it, it's yeah it'll be interesting to see whether the stores will continue to grow at the same pace
1: yeah it'll be something to watch out for i'm you know i, I imagine they will still do just as well but i think it is noteworthy to to see such a big store revamp that's going to go to so many thousands of stores. It's going to cost so much money. Um, And, you know, it it is anomalous from nearly every other, you know, retailer out there. It'll be interesting to see what this means on the brand side. So, you know, if you're revamping your stores, that means there might be new opportunities for merchandising. Uh, What will displays look like? Also, if you have new sections, will it mean that Walmart is increasing the types of brands that it works with? There are a lot of questions about what the store, you know, redesign means and, and, what it, and how it could trickle down to the overall industry. So something we'll definitely be watching out for.
0: And then for our last story of the day, we are going to be talking about Michael's uh, launching a third-party marketplace for sellers, uh, specifically for handmade goods. Uh, it's essentially going to be, uh, you know, competing with Etsy, which is really the biggest player. Uh, but I think it, there's some interesting aspects of the design that we can get into. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? So, like for example, it if you go to the Michael's website, it is the this this hub is actually a tab on the top, so people can, you know, find it pretty easily. And the other thing is that it's not just selling physical goods. They're really encouraging people to uh book classes like host classes, how-tos, and all of that to earn extra commission. And then of course, you know, given what's going on with Etsy, they are promising lower fees, at least for now.
1: Yeah. Um, it is, I think the lower fees thing is super interesting. I, I don't know. When you hear about a retailer going into a new e-com area, you always Get your, sh- your you always get a little bit uh, skeptical about it. But if there were, you know, Etsy and goes after a very specific type of merchant, and if there were a company that could also go after that specific type of merchant, it's the person who's selling them their raw materials, which is Michael's. So that that's sort of my take on it, where, like, these people, a lot of them are probably shopping at Michael's anyways, and a lot of them, and we can go into this later, are probably a little bit pissed at Etsy. And so, you know... <laughs> What it that that's that's the area that I find so interesting. so who who knows what the future holds, but like like that it is interesting that like this would be the one retailer that might be able to do it,
0: yeah, because there are, yeah, there are a few things that are very unique to Michael, so for example, uh sellers get discounts off bulk purchases and supplies and whatnot. obviously, Etsy's not doing that um, and then we could get into um. I mean, you know, we do have to talk about, this is coming at a time, at a really interesting time for Etsy. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of sellers, writing stories about, you know, some of the frustrations uh, due to the changes that Etsy has been making for the last couple of years to the structure. In the last couple of years, some of the independent handmade sellers that I talked to have complained that the platform has really been sort of overtaken by uh, these bulk sellers and drop shippers, just kind of essentially turned into an Amazon or eBay. Uh, and because there's a lot of pressure to advertise because Etsy's trying to, of course, you know, grow advertising, yeah. revenue, uh, it's it's become harder, at least margin wise, to justify being on Etsy. And so there has been sort of an exodus already happening. So I wonder how many will actually uh, consider michaels i think i'm gonna go ask some that's in the coming days but yeah if you're a
1: merchant talk to gabby
0: (laughs) yeah email me um yeah so with, with that said do you think right now we don't know how many sell actually they didn't say how many sellers they have already on the platform they've been testing it since the beginning of the year but uh it's they have i think something about like hundreds of thousands of SKUs. Uh, It's probably around like 750 last time I checked. But it's, this is going to take a lot of marketing for Michaels. That's kind of why people are on on Etsy because it handles all of that infrastructure.
1: Yeah, and that's sort of, that's the big hurdle for Michaels. Specifically, that is the hurdle for every new platform. And I want to say something like 98% of them can't do it, which is, you know, actually getting people to use your platform to buy the things, the customer acquisition. So how is Michael... People have an idea of what Michael's is. Michael's is where I buy frames. Michael's is where I get yarn, though I don't really buy yarn. But like, you know, like that that type of thing. Um, and this is going to have to be a shift where someone's going to have to say, oh, I'm going to go to Maker Place to buy earrings or to buy, as you said, like uh, a, an online class or something like that. And I think that that, Shift isn't there, so it's going to take a lot of marketing and a lot of retraining, I guess. Um, The the one thing that Michaels does have going for it is that it already has access to a lot of those merchants, ideally, or it thinks it does. And, you know, I would be interested to know from Michaels just, you know, A, how it's going to market this to the masses – is it only just gonna be available on its website? Is it gonna do you know? Like actually, I don't know. I should have asked you. Like, is there an app? Like it feels like the one thing that people go to Etsy for a very specific reason, they download the app or they go to the web the, the Etsy.com because they want to buy a gift. So how 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 can Michaels try and do that itself is my big question.
0: Yeah, there is a Michaels app. I think that's actually something pretty recent. Uh I'm not sure. How much it's going to be integrated into the, uh, how much the marketplace is going to be integrated, but um, I think it's safe to assume at some point it will be available on there. I will be interested to see whether the Michael's customer, is somebody who would actually, I mean, what's the overlap there? Because you know a lot mm-hmm. of them are obviously sell, you know makers themselves or are DIY hobbyists. So yeah, it it'll be interesting to see how how well it takes
1: off. Yep, something to keep an eye on. We always love a new marketplace here at Modern Retail. We
0: love the marketplace boom, our section. (laughs) Um, Okay, so that is our show for this week. Please write and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you're listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the Modern Retail Podcast to hear interviews with industry leaders every Thursday. Uh, Kale, who do you have on next week?
1: Next week, I I do. Next week, I have... um, the president of r co which is a professional hair care company. And we talked mm. all about the state of salons, what's going on. They just launched colors. Super interesting. Who doesn't love talking about hair?
0: Yeah, very competitive category. But r co has been around for a while. And of course, come back on Saturdays for the Modern Retail Rundown. And as always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.